the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Episode of the Boys of Tech. This is episode 266 for Tuesday, the 18th of March 2014. My name is Edwin Herman, and joining me on New Zealand's longest running tech podcast is my good friend Ben Sunko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. So, Ben, how's your week been? Oh, yeah, it's been good. Just, um, you know, still playing catch up from the moves. So I've been pretty tired. Oh, yes. Um, so, now, how is that looking? Because when we talked last on the podcast, you had this huge, I think, this server room move or something. At yeah, work. Is well, that right? we moved offices. So um, so I had to break down our existing, you know, three racks, 30-odd servers, move them across the new one, set up the new room, get all the – I had to – one of the racks didn't actually fit in our lift, so I had to completely break it down and oh, then completely no. reassemble it in the room. So that added, you know, an extra five hours of work. Um, so, so how's it looking now? Are you pleased – because I remember you saying some of the comments you said was, well, at least it's now a chance to get the cabling nice and tidy because it's one of those things that you take the opportunity to do when you're moving. So how is it looking after all that? So as of Thursday last week, it was looking immaculate, absolutely fantastic. And then we had the alarm guy come in to install the alarm and the comms cabinet fell off the wall. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, the, 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 the hinges of the comms cabinet, these aluminium hinges, disintegrated. Like, I've never seen aluminium go like this. It just shredded itself. Oh, no. Um, so I was, I was out at the time, but apparently there were some little yelps coming from the server room, and some people had to go in and drag some a table with a couple of servers I was working on and then sting the comms, comms cabinet on top of that. And So, yeah, as of... Late Thursday last week, it was looking pretty rubbish. So over the weekend, I, I made a couple of stands and found some stainless steel hinges and drilled them to the right size. And then on Monday, I got the comms cabinet back in. So now everything's looking great again. What but an yes, ordeal. So, uh, yeah, comms just cabinets absolute, don't normally just come off the wall, do they? No, no. But thinking about it, you do normally have a stand for a fully laden um, cabinet so that when you're opening it up, it does actually sit on something. Because there's a lot of weight for the, for right, the hinges. right. So in hindsight, yeah, we probably should have had a stand, and we we do now. But yeah, so that would have I would have preferred that not to happen. Um, but it's, it was fine, and I look good because I fixed it quickly. So yeah, actually, that's true. And you know, I still haven't taken you up on the offer to to uh, look around, but you know, just it's been busy for me as well. But I will yeah. do that. I will will do that one day. Well, I'm happy to now because everything I've, I've readjusted all the servers. They all sit correctly in the racks. Um, I've cabled everything's nicely cabled. Um, everything's nicely nicely positioned. We still need to get air conditioning. It's a bit of a mission, but well, you got no other, no aircon in your server room. We've got a portable because it's a four meter high ceiling, and we've got like an open vent in the roof. So we thought we might have enough ambient, and with the door open, we thought we might have enough ambient like thermal mass to take some of the heat. But, right. And we've we've got a small unit. We've got a little portable unit. It's like 1.5k, oh, um, yeah. but it's just not enough. And yeah, so that's okay. the next thing. Well, I'm just glad I didn't take you up on the offer too early because it might have been me under that cabinet. 
Well, hopefully you wouldn't have had it open. But, but you, well, you might have yeah. wanted to show me. You, you might have opened it and said, hey, check this out. Boom. That, that is possible. Yeah. That would be quite a funny thing. <laughs> Throw a comms cabinet at somebody. <laughs> Especially if you're not the person that has to fix it. But when you are, you're sort of less inclined to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, there we, ha- there we have it. It's, okay. Look, I'll, I'll definitely come, uh, come around some point and take a look. Sweet. Oh, the other thing, we've got a, um, a brewery now. You got a, a what? <laughs> We've can got you, a can you even be talking about this on air? <laughs> um, yeah. So, have you ever heard of the William Warren microbrewery? Like, look, I can't say I have. So it's a New Zealand designed microbrewery. It's it's a single unit. It's um it, it's a stunning piece of kit. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a full brew from scratch to delivered cold to the tap in seven days. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's an amazing, absolutely amazing piece of kit. So the boss is quite like we have drinks on a Friday, and the boss is quite um uh, quite into his beer, I think. So he he got one of these units, and it's just oh, I mean, I'm not a big drinker, but it's it's just stunning. It's so cool. Yeah, I thought you uh, you sort of weren't drinking much these days. Uh, I I haven't I haven't drunk in probably three years, but I had a, I had a little sip today and it was not bad. Well, I can't say, yeah, look, I, I'll i be honest with you, I'm not really into my beers, so, but you know, I, I know a lot of people, not a lot of my colleagues would love one of these. Yeah, but even if you're not into the beer, you could be into the technology. It's, it's, it's yeah, impressive. sure, sure. It looks pretty pricey though. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Harvey Norman sell it for uh, just over $7,000. Wow. Yeah, so th- that'll be the full unit with the bottling plant on it as well. So we haven't got that part yet. Oh, okay. But s- still comes, you know, delivered chilled from the tap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, very cool. You'll need to do a dis- uh, put a distillery in there for me. That will get me there. <laughs> that could be vodka. next. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so from alcohol to technology, let's talk about... Um, the story that surfaced uh, about a week ago, almost now, uh, it's about a guy in California who was Googling his name. Now, we all do that, right? You, you Have you Googled your, your name, Ben? I'm, Not for quite a long time. But you have done, right? We, we yeah, I have done. Yeah. Vent, we, at some point, don't we? To you, see, you don't want to do it too often, though. You don't want no, to. no, vanity and all that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this guy in California, he, he Googles his name and he notices... And from the Google search results, that he's on one of the most wanted. He's one of the most wanted people. He's on a list in the Northern California Regional Intelligence Center. And he's like, "What?" And he he. Well, so the story goes, he had no idea. The guy, the reporter, hasn't even spoken to him though. Yeah, I know, I know. There's like, as far as I can tell, it's like. This is what I heard. It, it's like it seems completely unsubstantiated. I, like there's no. Well, there's a number of stories on it, but yes, uh, there's one it's, here. It's almost like I read this story and this is what I think. It's it's really <laughs> weird. But the thing, what we do know, or what we think we know, if that makes sense, is that he, when he saw that, he turned himself into the, into the police station. He said, "Look, this is um, me. I found myself on a most wanted list when googling my name. Here I am. I've come quietly, and uh, he's now mar- his photo is now marked as captured." Yeah, but it's also like, oh, I have no idea why you want to talk to me. I mean, I was shooting a gun at that house, but why? <laughs> why on earth? Yeah. What do you What do you need to talk to me for? Was it about the gun? Ah, <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I was stomping on babies as well. Was it that? <laughs> it's like he probably had a few clues. 
Uh, look, my feeling, again, and me not having talked to him either, I, but I think he probably knew why he just... But I, I do think he, he, he probably didn't know he was on the list, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, he probably didn't, but he... He was probably pretty sure why he was on the list pretty quickly. Once he found out he was on the list. Yeah, of course, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, you think back to, you know, what have I done? Yeah. Well, yes, it was that gun, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway, funny story there. I thought that was kind of unusual. Hmm. Yes. Imagine if you saw yourself on a list, hopefully wrongly. Man, that'd that'd be scary. Especially if it, like, really lined up with your history. So they they just created the one thing, but other than that, everything was correct you'd be like oh wow did i actually do that <laughs> yeah because you uh, yeah because everything else would fit and you think yeah i don't recall but maybe i i did and i just don't remember imagine if you played a joke on a friend and you did that you like set up well, the situation but the thing that you chose to joke them on was something that they had actually done so like maybe you set up a joke that they they had committed adultery and you set this big joke up and you go ha 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 see this but they'd actually done it and they think that you've found out and then oh man this. a joke on it that's like a double joke yeah that would be nasty well you know what they what they did do there was this this is reasonably well known actually a well known ex- psychology experiment where they tricked someone into thinking they'd been on a balloon ride and what they did was they they consulted with friends and family behind the scenes to get uh, photos of this person, you know, family photos, that kind of thing, and family outings. And they doctored the photos, so some of them would show this person with their family up in a balloon, you know, or you know, taken from inside the balloon and, and things like that. And this never happened. It's all how, made up. How old? But, how old was the person? Uh, actually, I don't recall. I, I don't like, recall. What, I don't, what, I don't think we're, we're not talking children here. We're not talking children. But what age were they in the photos? That oh, they were? in the photo, yeah, they were young when it was in the photo. Child, so, yes, yeah, sorry. At the time of the experiment, they, they're adults, but the... Yep. The, the um, photos are from when they were young. Correct. correct. Okay, because I'm pretty sure you could show me a photo and and tell me that I'd done something, and I'd be like, okay, Yeah, yeah sure. but hang on, hang on. No, there's more to it than that, though, Ben. Here's the thing. But because of all the convincing so-called evidence... Yeah. The subject of the experiment started telling the experimenters what that balloon ride was about. And they started, they were so convinced it happened, they made up all this content. Oh, yeah, it was my birth, you know, my birthday. And, and, um, that's right. We were at this restaurant and, and dad said, Oh, look, would you like something really special? And, and, you know, let's go. And they're making all this rubbish up. Well, what they're probably doing is slotting in, like, they've, they've got these memories of, you know, a day on their birthday where they did something special, they went out for dinner, this whole thing happened, and then they got a big treat. And then somebody has been telling them the whole life that they went on this balloon ride, and this is when they happen. So they, they just put two slot, and two together. They put so two, they yeah. slot that fake memory yes. in between all yes. the real memories, and then you've got, you have no a story. idea. And you've got a story. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I read a lot of story. I read a lot of books, and um, just I consume a lot of media. And um, in between the, the fiction that I'm consuming, I'm also consuming documents documentaries and, and real things. And I mean, how do you, I don't know how my brain distinguishes between the two. Like how do I, how do I even know what's, what's like fiction and what's nonfiction based on everything? You know, if I, if I read a story in a book where they're talking about something that could be real, you know, where have I heard that from and how can I reference that? And how do, how does your brain distinguish all of that? Well, is, sometimes it is a problem because I know that, you know, sometimes you have this memory of, I don't know, you read about some, I don't know, deadly spider that 
with one bite can kill someone in 60 seconds and suddenly you, you can no longer remember was that that fictional spider in this book or is that actually the world's deadliest spider yeah. and, and and sometimes we do have difficulty because you haven't you know, unless you then if you know, if like go more in depth and do research and sometimes I do that when I when I when I read something uh, about so say I say there was such a spider I don't think there is by the way now I'll have to research it <laughs> <laughs> but you know if there was say there was such a spider and I just found out about it I I might quickly Wikipedia it or something like that and, and that kind of helps I think embed that you know the the fact that it's fact yeah but if you I don't mean, uh, sometimes you do, you do somehow you do somehow kind of do it though eh? it's not a, it doesn't seem to be a conscious thing. Um, I think overall we seem to manage, yeah. Uh, yeah, because otherwise uh, I'd be completely delusional, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't appear to be. <laughs> I don't. Well, I, I don't know how time. to tell you this, Ben. But <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this podcast isn't even real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in my room talking to myself. You are, and sadly, <laughs> your tidy your tidy server room cabling ain't tidy. You think it is. Yeah, that's just the spaghetti chucked around my kitchen upstairs. <laughs> I'm really still at university. Oh, man. <laughs> I just ben, put it on Monster Weekend. What, Ben, why is it that we go on these massive tangents whenever you're on the show? Because <laughs> I'm pretty tangential. Tangential. I like it. Very good. Yeah, so anyway, we, what we were talking about, we are talking about this guy who found himself on the mo- most wanted list. I think we've done that story. I'll move on and, yeah, and talk about <laughs> Talk about uh, Mozilla made an announcement. It's going to scrap the Metro version of Firefox because not enough people are interested in Metro. I do wonder if there's maybe a little bit more to it. Like maybe Microsoft has not fully released the, you know, haven't got solid APIs on how to integrate software into the Metro. Mozilla's struck the issue of man they just we just can't do this i mean we don't really want to do it anyway people aren't that interested and they're being difficult so let's pull it and then we can go we're pulling it because they suck and microsoft's like well we don't want another browser so we'll make it hard on purpose they'll pull out they'll say it sucks who cares both parties win as far as they're concerned maybe there's a bit of that mm, maybe maybe i don't know i'm not, I'm not convinced i i do think that it maybe just could be what the story is, what the face value of the story is, which is because I mean, at the, we know that Metro hasn't taken off. It's been one of Microsoft's biggest failings. And look, they've backtracked on a number of things. You know, the start buttons come back in, uh, and what else? You can boot into desktop mode now with by, you know, therefore bypassing Metro. Uh, I don't know. I if I was a developer, I, I don't know that I would be really looking at Metro apps either. I mean, I don't. I don't doubt. I don't doubt any of the facts in the story. I just but you want, think there's more as well? I think there's more as well. Yeah, like this perhaps isn't the only reason. Um, because, I mean, say say this was purely it, that they just didn't think that there was any market for it. Well, make it good enough that there is a market. Like if you really back your product and you back your developers. Yeah, but Ben, I think, I think what they're saying is that it, it's the whole metro interface that people aren't going to in the first place. Therefore, no matter how good a product is, like Firefox, they're not going to get the metro version of that. They'll probably go for the desktop version, but they won't because they're in the desktop, but they'll never go for any metro version, no matter how good it is, because they're not in metro in the first place. 
I don't think that's really fair because it could be good enough that it changes people. Do you think? Like, I mean, yeah, because I mean, no one, like, every now and again, something comes along that just completely blows you away. And it seems, you know, it seems bizarre. Yeah, but if by that reasoning, if, you know, if this amazing piece of Mac software came along, would people be jumping ship to, to Mac? I don't know. Mac people are pretty fanatical. Where did that come from? Because, I mean, Macs used to be horrible. And then they started to get really good, and now people are absolutely maniacs about them. But, but I, I, mean, I think they, they always were good. They were. They always went bankrupt. I mean, oh, they, the, when the they company. kicked jobs, yeah, when they yeah. kicked jobs out, they were just rubbish. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, I wow, think, they got turned around. I mean, the i the the iPod and the iPhone just completely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, that's technology. We're you know a physical hardware piece of technology, so it's a little bit. It's easier to make that big of a change. But I mean, if you're right, I mean, Angry Birds. Who would have thought that some stupid little birds on a stupid little phone would be such a good game? And Flappy Bird. I don't, don't even know what Flappy Bird is. Oh, you've missed you missed the episodes. Oh, you you, <laughs> you have to get Flappy Bird. It's very addictive. Like you see, I mean, who would have thought that? It's bizarre. Um, I mean, I bought it. I, I don't buy you, you games bought, like that. You bought Angry Birds? Yeah. Yeah, I got addicted to it. Everyone does. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay, you surprise me sometimes, Ben. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. yeah uh, I used to play a lot of Tetris as well. It's that, you know, trying to, trying to get better and better and better. Actually, I saw a, a story on Tetris saying that it helps uh, people lose um you know people who it's good for people wanting to lose weight or quit smoking because it helps lose the um the hunger pangs and the you know the want for a cigarette oh that's interesting although you know what i'd like to know i haven't read into the story by the way so i can't talk about this too much because i I just don't know but i what i did wonder from reading the short paragraph that i did was does it do it better than any other game or is it just games in general yeah but they specifically mentioned tetris Maybe that style of game, that sort maybe of that puzzle, that puzzle that game. Puzzle type, yeah, possibly, yeah, possibly. Maybe it's engaging a certain part of the brain that would also um, satisfy some sort of craving or fills that and you know, lines up with the craving sort of. You know, in terms of g- games, yeah, back in the you know in the eighties and early nineties and in the uh, age of the arcade games, I can't think of any other puzzle game that made it to a. Uh, you know, to a what do you call it, an arcade game, other than Tetris puzzle well, game. Yeah, can you think of? I mean, you know, there were all the others like Ghosts and Goblins and Slap Fight and uh, some of those fighting games. Uh, Double Dragon, I think it was, is another one. You know, all those sorts of things. I mean, it depends games. how you define puzzle, really, because I mean, Donkey Kong is essentially a formula. Like you learn the formula and you can finish the game. Well, um, Pac Man's the same. But was Donkey Kong and even Pac Man? Did they even make it to the to the arcade? Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, we put your twenty cents in the slot and. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't revolutionary. I mean, it was at the time, but they were always there. There was always, I mean, there was always a Pac-Man game. Was in there? Arcades back in the back in the eighties, there were, man. I mean, okay, that's interesting because that is a puzzle game, isn't it? Well, it's, it's kind it's, of it's, it's a it's, bit of a cross. There's a form. There's a formula to it. So it's like you work out the mathematical formula of where you need to go at what time, and you will beat the game. But whether you'd call that a puzzle or not, I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, essentially, it is, but. Sort of, yeah, but a lot of platform games you could say the same thing, Mario Brothers, all that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Anyway, uh, another tangent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if anyone's still with us, uh, we're going to talk about uh, 
Oh, yeah, Office for iPad. Now, there's there's been a rumour a while ago, and I think we mentioned it on this podcast. Not sure if you were on the show there, Ben, or whether it was Brett, but uh, one of you two were on the show. Uh, and this time, apparently, that rumour's getting closer to being true because... So there's a rumour that the rumour's true. It's a, yeah, the, the, well, pretty much. Right. <laughs> You've summed it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a source um, speaking to The Verge has said that Microsoft is going to introduce a tablet app similar to Office for iPhone during an event on March the 27th. So, yeah, it's sounding pretty likely, which I think will be nice because what it, if it's if it you know comes to fruition, it means that iPad users will be able to create Office documents and not just consume them. I mean, I, I my first uh, my first thought was just like, oh wow, cool, yeah, that's great. But I mean, I guess in a business situation where you do have people going to meetings, taking minutes, using you know, wanting to use Office, I guess in that case it would be yeah, it would be good. Mm. Um, it's just I don't, I, it doesn't, it doesn't live in my world. So, um. but I, I can we can you can see a market for it, right? Yes, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I do too. And it, it, the, the, according to the rumor, it's going to require an Office three six five subscription, which kind of makes sense. I mean, they'll they'll always try and push people onto that. Yeah, but well, in I mean, this case, it does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, especially yeah for mobile, exactly. I mean. Mm. What, you, what else are you going to do? Then try and email it to you every time or, or, or something? I mean, you know, you might as well have the cloud version to start with when you're on mobile. I mean, that's I mean, I assume the main market for this would be, you know, big organizations that have Wi-Fi support in their office and are just storing everything on a server. So they're taking notes and then storing them on a server, which yep. is hosted yep. locally. Yep. Um, I'd assume that would be the majority of the people. But yeah, if you're, if you're going out, having, I mean, people love the cloud. They don't understand what it is, but they love it. Um, <laughs> it's a selling point, isn't it? Yeah, they're like, oh, cool. You mean we don't have to worry about servers? Oh, awesome. We'll just store it in the cloud. Oh, too bad for all those server rooms that are going going to go out of business. It's like, yeah, you really don't understand this at all, do you? Well, I mean, you, well, to be fair though, I mean, you you know, a business considering a new system, and you know, I'm I'm in that situation when I work on projects. Uh, the cloud is very attractive because it means you don't have to have people in house looking after servers when there are specialists in large organisations that do that already. It's just that people people don't line up the fact that cloud is really just large large server rooms, large data warehouses. Um, people don't don't think like that, so they they kind of assume that there are no servers for the cloud, or they just really don't understand what's going on. Well, I think at the end of the day, you you, you may be right, but I don't think they need to understand. All they need to un- well, the only thing they need to understand is what are the costs of each scenario. Well, and the other massive factor is risk as well. Yeah, I mean, that, there is. Yeah, you're that right. is humongous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, people always talk about the cloud being safe, but, I mean, what about before the NSA documents were leaked? I mean, was it as safe then as it is now? I mean, basically, if you're going to store it in the cloud, you need to be prepared to have people access it. Um, you can't, I mean, unless you're doing some pretty decent encryption, you can't really rely on it being safe. But I, I think though, for most businesses, that's not an issue. They don't that's care. true. They don't yep. care. You as, know that as, as long as they're aware of that, and they go, "Yes, that is perfectly okay." Then that is when the cloud is is perfect. When they're fully aware of that. But if they're gonna, they can't sort of have it both ways. They can't go, "Oh no, we didn't want to lose all that confidential information." So mm. well, you need to be, you need to be aware of that. Yeah. Yep. No, you're right. There is a risk, and there always will be. But uh, yep. Yeah, anyway, there you go. So Office for iPad, let's wait till March the 27th. And uh, 
I don't know, maybe between now and then there'll be a rumour about the rumour about the rumour. Oh, I can hardly wait. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that rumour. Uh, Do I detect I, some sarcasm? I remember when I heard the first rumour, I was like, oh, wow, I wonder if that's true. And then the rumour came that the rumour was true, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Oh Ben, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore the sarcasm and move on. And and this now this this is our last story. This one here though is kind of almost out of date now. It, in the few days it was uh, sort of topical, it's now come out of date because. But I, I do want to cover it because I I was one of the people that took part. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Tom Nod. Now Tom Nod, if you go to TomNod.com, or at least last week and the week before, if you did, you could partake in a crowdsourcing exercise to examine satellite imagery from the day that flight MH370 went missing or was it the day after but anyway it was a, you know around that time and the the idea is you're looking in the ocean there's a certain section in the ocean that they thought at the time anyway and new information has since come to light to I think suggest that that's not necessarily the right place but at the time they thought they were looking in the right place they presented you with I don't know goodness knows how many you know, segments of ocean, and you just go through them, and of course there's something like, uh, oh, how many people were on there? I think they released the figure, I forget now. Uh, but two million? Was it two, two million? Was it two million? Two million people, yeah. Yeah, that's right, two million people, and what you could do is when you see something suspicious or, or you know, like a foreign object floating in the ocean, whatever that might be, you can tag it. I tagged one. I think it was probably just a small ship, but uh, it was hard to tell, so I tagged it. I think they got, how many did they get tagged? Six hundred and fifty thousand objects. Yeah, but you know what I thought was amazing about this, uh, about the story, about this uh, site, is the power of crowdsourcing. This is this, absolutely amazing. I took part in it and I really enjoyed it. It's it's awesome. This this sort of story just makes me so happy. It's it's what the internet is about. The yeah, you know, the the open and embracing relationship between people that are running systems and the people that are using them i mean this makes me think of like wikipedia because they talked about you know say say a business wanted to create wikipedia it would take so many millions of hours that it could never be a feasible thing to create that's right and yet and yet it exists and it's amazing and it's because of the people that's absolutely Um, right yeah it's just so it's so cool yeah Mm. i just really like it now Uh, unfortunately since then uh, you know, new information now suggests we were looking in the wrong place, you know, to start with. But uh, it doesn't stop these sites still being valid. Uh, and also, don't forget, we can they can repeat this. I don't know if they're going to. They, in fact, they might do. I don't know. I'd it, say they would. And I'd, not I'd only, keep an eye on the site, yeah. And not only would they repeat it, if it's the same people that are getting involved. I mean, what they, what they did is they, they were developing an algorithm that was looking at the reliability of each person as they reported objects. So if you've got 30 different people looking at an image, and three of them are, spot, you know, are constantly spotting the same sort of thing, then those people become more reliable. So that now that they do the actual proper search, they've already got a lot of information yeah, on these right. users right. and who, who to trust and who not to trust, and they'll be able to get through this so much quicker. It's, I mean, it's one of these learning systems, so the longer that it runs and the more people that use it, the better it gets, mm. um, assuming they've done the algorithm right. And, I mean, there's some people that just... I mean, I love this sort of stuff, but I mean, these people, the, the stuff they come up with is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it just blows me away as well. And you know, the uh, I saw in one of the articles, they said that apparently every pixel from those satellite images in that portion of the ocean, and it was a big portion too, has been scanned by human eyes at least 30 times each pixel. That's, that's so, the way to do it. It's yeah. just 
Yeah. You know, every, as I was reading about it, I'm just like, oh, if I was doing it, I'd do it like this. And then they talk about it, like, okay, yeah. Uh, but if I was doing it, I'd do it this way. Like, oh, okay, they did that. And you carry on reading, you're like, oh, they did it like that. Oh, okay. And it's just awesome. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it is really good. If You know what? Uh, for people listening out there, if, you're inter- if this interests you, go to Tomnod, T-O-M-N-O-D.com. Uh, you can sign up there. And I don't know what the site currently shows because I think the um, – that particular part of the ocean was finished and when I went there one day it said sorry we've we finished now we will finish for now come back later so I'm not sure what will be there by the time you get there but keep an eye on it because no doubt they will probably if uh, unless they find the plane first they'll probably release a next set of satellite images from the area they want to next concentrate on I mean, I can't imagine them not using this more and more mm. to scan more and more things where there just isn't an algorithm that can that can analyze the image to find like we the human brain is just amazing at making yeah, random connections totally. and and we just we're not we're not really anywhere near having the processing power of you know two million people looking at stuff no. like so why wouldn't we use this more and you know, you know someone because someone goes miss say say a kid is lost at a um in a stadium or something chuck all the image check all the images that are available and let people go through it and and try and trace that that yeah. kid's path through i mean yeah i mean a few years ago i saw a story i forget where but it was some i think it was some cctv footage or sorry live cameras that were on that they basically put on the net, published on the net. And anyone can visit the site and just stare at the cameras and if they see anything a bit suspicious, they can report it through the website. So you're effectively crowdsourcing CCTV monitors. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, I actually do that as part of volunteer work uh, here in Wellington City. I, you know, But you, you have to go into the police station and you, you sit behind... <gasps> Your uh, big brother. <laughs> now, now, take the tinfoil hat off. But oh, you know, oh, the, so you're not spying on people through secret cameras that have no knowledge that you're doing that. They are not secret, Ben. You can you can see them. It's, oh, oh, the 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 wall just happened to be there. There just happened to be a little hole for the. Oh, now be. come on, come <laughs> off it. Come, on. I, I I hope you're being sarcastic. But um, no, I <laughs> to need, a degree. <laughs> but anyway, look, the, the the whole point is that um. You know, this, I can't remember where this was, but the city put them on online, and I thought that was a fantastic idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And anyway, so this is really, really great. So if you want to join in the search for flight MH370, tomnod.com. Just keep checking it regularly. Well, Ben, we've come to the end of the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again next week, won't we? Um, should We should do, yes. So, well, at least you you will. At least De- I will, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. There will be another episode next week. So anyway, yes. that is pretty much it for episode 266. Ben, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. Oh, you're welcome, Ed. It was good. Yeah, it's been a blast. And hopefully, b- between now and the next time you appear on the show, I will have seen that beautifully prepared, pristine, clean server room that you've uh, cabled up and installed. And hopefully, hopefully nothing else falls off the wall or falls over or blows <laughs> yeah. up as well. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. I've got my fingers crossed for you. Yeah, same. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. I mean, hopefully the brewery doesn't blow up and take out the whole server. Yeah, now, you know what? You've just reminded me of something. I remember the day that the New Zealand IRC server went down. New Zealand had one IRC server on Undernet back in, I think, 95, 96. It went down one day. And you know why? Because someone spilt beer on the server. <laughs> so, you know. It was 
the the server was probably underneath their beer fridge. Yeah, I, it probably was. You know, or yeah, yeah. In the back of in the back room of someone's house. Yeah, yeah, probably was. Mm. But there you go. Anyway, so beer and server rooms don't mix. Ben, thanks again, and uh, we'll do it all again next time. Until then, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Talk about uh, Mozilla made an announcement. It's uh, going to scrap the Metro version of Firefox. Of, uh, no, say that again. I'll do it for you. Mozilla said Microsoft sucks. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Ben, look, thanks once again, and uh, we'll talk in the, and we'll talk again next time. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Next time, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh Ben, how am I going to do this? Okay, I'll do it differently. Can't you just cut it from another show? Splice <laughs> <laughs> it in. No, 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 no. We can't do that. We don't do that. Against the rules. All right, nailed it. I nailed it. I nailed it. Woo! Show's over. Oh, I'm exhausted. You want a beer? Um. Oh, I had a sip today. It was a, well, a little half glass. It's the first beer I've had in years. Uh, you know what I might do? I might go have a Chardonnay. That's what I'll do. I'll go and have a Chardonnay. Go have a Shandy. A Shandy? Yeah. A Shandy? Yeah. <sighs> they are quite refreshing. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? They seem to be making a bit of a resurgence at the moment. Yeah, I mean, in, in England, they call them lager toppers. Oh, do uh, they? Yeah, and it sort of seems, sounds a little bit, you know, not quite so dang, dainty. <laughs> oh well, I'll um, I'll think I'll stick to my wine.